T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. And as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. Hello, it's Grant Cameron, and I want to welcome to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Uh, The story I'm going to read tonight is an interview that I did with a guy by the name of Bill Kendricks. Uh, Bill Kendricks was one of the 10 people that was involved in the CKY film, which is uh, one of the more significant films ever taken of UFOs. It's very similar to the Nimitz story. If you've heard the Nimitz story about the UFO that uh, drops from 80,000 feet down to sea level in seven-eighths of a second, uh, I would say the CKY film is actually better because it's not anecdotal until you produce the radar tapes of this thing dropping from 80,000 feet down to sea level. All you have is people's word that that's what happened. The CKY film is caught on film. Uh, it's going the other way. It's going from the ground up to, depending whose version you've got, we tried to do some calculations, but 3,000 to 5,000 feet in three frames of film, one-eighth of a second. And if you want to see the film, it's actually, um, um, well, the real copies have sort of disappeared, but there's a, a version of it that was done in a documentary on the Internet called UFOs It Has Begun. Jacques Vallée narrates it, and you can see this three-and-a-half-second film uh, narrated by Jacques Vallée. The film was actually slowed down by the people that uh, filmed it uh, and they actually did a documentary on this and they slowed it down frame by frame and you can actually see echoes in the in the video. There's, I think there's four, five, six echoes in behind this object and uh, it leaves a flash frame where one frame of film, one uh, twenty-fourth of a second, it lights up the entire horizon for one twenty-fourth of a second. Absolutely fascinating story uh, of... of of stuff happening in this film it's moving up and down it's rotating and you can pick up all this by going frame by frame so I'm going to re- read the interview of one of the reporters that was there I've already done um, the version of the story from the guy who shot the film Alan Kerr but this is one of the reporters there was uh, th- uh, two reporters the cameraman who was actually a film editor, then there was a bunch of pilots, editor of the local newspaper, a reporter from one of the newspaper, and uh, they had this thing surrounded on the ground. So here's the interview done with uh, Bill Kendricks, who, when I did the interview, was uh, March of 1977. Bill Kendricks was then a reporter, a national reporter, uh, or a reporter for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which is the big 
government um, network in Canada. Uh, he was president in Carmen when the famous CKY film was made. So here we go. Uh, my question was, Bob Demert had stated that the night before the filming by Alan Kerr, that the object was in the same place and that you had driven towards it and this scared it up. So it was on the ground and they they tried to surround this thing, tried to get in close to it. And it, um, it, it took off. So uh, Kendrick states, that wasn't me. That was a fellow who was with CKY at the time by the name of John Barry. He's now with CHCH TV in Hamilton. That film, uh, you say the 12th. I can remember days, day type things, but uh, the dates are fuzzy. Have you checked with CKY? Have they still got the film? So I stated, I checked with Kerr, who, fil who filmed it, and he said that I couldn't have a print because it was the original. And then I heard that he sent it to Heineck in Chicago. And Heineck made two prints of this thing. The planetarium has been trying to contact Heineck because he said this was the best nocturnal light film ever shot. I sent a registered letter to Heineck. And the planetarium sent three or four letters to him, but nobody has gotten a response. And from when I heard that story back in 1977, I never ever trusted J.L. and Heineck after I heard that he got two copies of the film and then suddenly everything disappeared. Uh, so Kendrick says, well, we sent a film clip of the film, a tape clip that showed the thing as it runs at normal speed, which is about only three and a half seconds. When I put together the article, or he did a, a, a thing on TV where they did a little story about it, I slowed the film down frame by frame, and I put it on a videotape uh, so that it stretched out to about 20 seconds. And we sent that out to the guy that came up here and held that seminar in Steinbeck. I said, the guy from 20th Century UFO. Yeah. Now, we sent that tape to him, and he could still probably have it. Now, I went after him, and I think he had died by the time, and um, I, nobody could recover it there. So that, that tape had lost. And that's what Alan Kerr had said, that all that every copy that he made, the tapes kept disappearing, that he'd made 10 copies. And um, as I mentioned in the Alan Kerr interview, um, he, gave, he made a copy for me, and when I sold my house, it was on a six-inch metal reel, and when I uh, moved out of the house, I tried to find that reel, and it was nowhere to be found. Um, so, so he says, um, I sent the tape to him, the guy at 20th Century, and he'd probably still have a copy of it. And he has shown it, originally to Heineck, and he's also shown it to some NASA people as well. So whatever happened to the film, I don't know. Alan might still have it. I wouldn't be surprised if Alan Kerr still got it salted away. But when I CKY, I cut all ties with him. I don't know what happened to that film. I talked to him last year, I said, and I said that he wasn't going to give it up. Then when Heine came here to the lecture, I heard that he had taken the film back. I tried to get through to 20th Century as well, and I couldn't get anything out of them. They did a story about the big telephone blackout that Demert confirmed, and I got nothing on that either. How many times were you out there? So Kendrick says, we were out there four nights. We went out two nights prior to the filming, the night of the filming, and the following night. So I was out there a total of four nights, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I think that we shot the film on the Wednesday. 
The Monday night that we went out, we didn't see anything. The Tuesday we went out, and that's the night when we saw the thing down at the end of the road. The people that had seen this thing before said, that's it. The people that were with us, the, the guy that was with us by the name of John Henry, he was another reporter from CKY, and he was out on his own. He, he got in his car, and he went flying down the road towards it. And we saw this thing and kept our eye on it, and it, it just disappeared. And then we never saw it again that night, at least not our people. I understand that someone did see it again that night from a different location, but around Carmen. So I asked Mrs. Giesbrecht, who was a, the professional photographer in town. So the next night we went out, we set up the camera on the tripod as we'd done before, and we trained it down the road where we had seen this object. About the same time, and I can't remember whether it was after midnight or just when it was, but at just about the same time as the night before, this object appeared again. So instead of someone hightailing it down the road, there were two groups. I was with Bob and Elaine, Bob Demert and his wife Elaine. Bob was the pilot who ran the, ran the airport. And there was my wife and I. And I think there was one other person, but I can't remember. We went to the south of it, and the other car had the fellow from the Carmen newspaper. It, and he was going to say, went north. So there's these mile roads. So it's on the one mile road. There's a mile road a mile up on the north and a mile road on the south. So one car went down the south road, went down the north road, and they were going to try to come at it from from the side, try to go where they thought it was and then come across so they wouldn't scare it up. Um, so I asked about Howard Bennett. Howard Bennett was the editor of the, the paper. Uh, he and someone else went to the north of it, so we couldn't come around it. So we traveled down the gravel roads, and it must have been four or five miles down. Actually, it was eight miles down, I think. Uh, we saw it off to our right or off to the north, and we put the binoculars on it, and you could see this quite clearly. It seemed to be more or less just sitting there. It was sort of pulsating, sort of a reddish color. And we sat and watched this, and all of a sudden, it checked off towards Winnipeg, towards the northeast. We lost sight of it. And then we went back up there to where we had originally started from, where Alan had the camera set up, and he was going nuts. He said, I saw it. I got the camera on it. I got the whole thing rolling, but whether I got anything, I don't know. And he did actually catch this thing. It was As soon as he pushed the trigger, he said, this thing is glowing up. Next time it glows up, I'm going to get it so we get something on film because I hadn't got it the night before. And as he pushed the trigger, this thing jumped into the air. So he did. He didn't know he got it, but he actually got it on film. Then we got the, the thing from processing. Now, here's the weird part. Howard came back, and he said that he'd seen it, and he'd seen it take off. I couldn't tell from where we were whether it was an incline or what it was, but, but he said he saw it was on an incline, on its edge, and that we saw it take off. It just went. So these guys came in and they actually drew this thing. It looked, they said it looked like a movie screen, a drive-in movie screen. It was on a 45 degree angle and it wasn't touching the ground, but it was, it was 50 feet high and you could see it over the trees. And they were very, very close within maybe a quarter of a mile of this thing. Then Alan Kerr said that he'd seen it come tracking across the sky. So Alan Kerr caught this thing jumping up and then he tracked it across the sky as it took off. 
that's when we followed it. And oddly enough, when he filmed it, uh, he panned with it and then stopped the camera and allowed it to move across the frame so that he could get a, some kind of reference. And it was great foresight on his part to stop the camera and let the thing move so that the latter someone could see how fast the thing was moving. And this is the thing. When the camera was stationary, as it jumped, it caught it. And as he stopped the camera at 12, uh, the 12 o'clock position, he picked it up again. And in between, there was nothing. Uh, when the film was processed, it's strange. The portion that was panning with never turned out. But for some reason, it didn't pick it up. But when he stopped the camera so that it could move across, he picked it up. There were two little sections of film that we had. We had one section that showed the object down the corner right, and then all of a sudden it moved up in the frame. Now it was slowed down frame by frame. The object was here, right corner. And then for one frame, the entire horizon lit up, and you could make out the trees and the rollingness of the land. And then it moved up to the upper cor left corner of the frame. Now that all took place in three frames. In the actual movement it took place in one frame or one twenty-fourth of a second. So the film, when it was tracking across the frame, you could see it pulsating. When you slowed it down you could see each frame that it was moving across and that it was leaving an echo or an entrail. When we showed it to the people at the planetarium and we showed it to people in the armed forces base that the Armed Forces Base sent over, some Air Force people, pilots trained in night flying and night observation, they took a look at it and they said that as far as they were concerned it was definitely a UFO. They couldn't explain what it was. They ruled out every other possibility, the swamp gas, the helicopters, because we checked all the helicopter bases and we got nothing. It was not an airplane. Our problem was that because all you had was this thing going across a totally blank screen, there, wasn't, there weren't any stars to fix it by. They couldn't give us any idea about speed or location or distance from us or anything like that. But that's the film we got and there wasn't much of it. But what there was was awfully damned exciting. Now one of the things is they do actually know when the location was because the guys that got within a quarter mile of it knew where it was and they actually the planetarium sent out people and got radiation readings on the spot where it was and they picked up radiation readings. So we know where the camera was and we know exactly where the UFO was sitting on the ground. So Kendricks continues. Then we went out the next night. It's funny that the CKY is a funny place and very few people want to do anything unless they're going to get paid for it. Alan and I were going out on our own. No pay. So we just wanted to go out and because we were intrigued by this. So that night we got the film and the next night we had to beat them off with sticks. The people that wanted to come out. We had three cameramen, Alan and two others, all came with cameras and we all set ourselves up in a triangle position so that if we sighted this thing we could get a fix on it with all three cameras and we could pinpoint its location. Unfortunately we never saw it again. We stopped after that and I was getting to the point where I was spending eight hours at work and then spending eight hours a night out there. Physically I just couldn't take it anymore. So I asked him, you were saying that the, that the planetarium and there was Air Force people there. I'm trying to think who was there. I think it was uh, Roger Wallachian from the planetarium came over. I can't remember whether Frank Shin ever saw it. I know that Frank Shin went out. 
I think he was the the head of the planetarium. Uh, there may have been other ones. I'm sure that Roger uh, Wallachian was one, and then there was these two or three other Air Force people, and they couldn't explain what it was. Were the only one, were you the only one to see this flash? And he said, well, nobody actually saw the flash with their naked eye, which is true. It was only one twenty-fourth of a second, which the eye can't pick up. Alan said that when he was shooting, this flash is what he figured was what Howard saw when it took off. But Howard said that he didn't see anything when it took off. My understanding was they were standing there, and they looked back, and the thing was gone, and they didn't realize it was three or 5,000 feet above them. It moved instantaneously, and they thought it had disappeared when actually it had just jumped into the air. We didn't see it from where we were. We didn't see any kind of flash. And Alan said later, there was a flash after seeing it on the film. You know, I kind of thought that something at, at the time, but nobody standing around us saw it, or said anything. So I thought maybe it was my eyes playing tricks. So actually that flash only was picked up on the film. The story I got from the choir and from Demert was that you were the only ones to see the flash. That may be wrong according to Demert, that you said you saw that. And Kenrick's replies, now that you mention it, we saw the thing down at the end of the road, yeah. Now you, that phrase brings back memories to me. I do remember seeing something but again, it's like I said to myself that I didn't see that. But when I saw it on the film, I remember it reinforced that. It happened so quickly. It was only one frame in the film. I said, were you shooting at 16 or 24 frames a second? He said 24. Another interesting thing, and here's the wild thing. We always conjured up new and interesting things as someone was playing tricks on us. All the film we shoot is on the same roll of film, and it was shot in order of sequence. The night of the, the the light at the end of the road, the flash, jumping up in the sky, and then we decided to move out and around. That tracking bit across the sky, so it, it jumped up, flashed, top of the 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 fly, the the arc of the where it got, and then. It, tracked across the sky. He said, yet, when we got the film back from the lab, the whole sequence was reversed for some reason. I said, is that right? Yeah, the film hadn't hadn't been broken in the lab yet. And we had them elicit and we had them elicit it back together wrong. When it came back to us, the tracking across the sky was first and the other portion was second where it jumped into the air. That could create all sorts of neat little things. It was backwards. The thing itself didn't go backwards, but the sequence in which it occurred reversed on the film. Like I say, there were only two things that we got on film. The flash, and then moving across the sky. But when we got back the blank spot, it was still in the middle, but the tracking across the sky and the other were reversed. And we still didn't know why he panned across the sky, but he didn't get anything unless he was moving too fast. Someone said that he could see it through the viewfinder. It was in full view. There was nothing specially done to the film. We didn't know whether we were going to get it on film. 
I think it was 100% luck because that was Alan's first filming. He wasn't actually a film guy. He was a film editor and nobody else wanted to go out because they weren't being paid. He was running the processing lab and he was bugging them to let him use a camera to get some experience. And they kept dangling a carrot in front of his nose. And I got out two nights before and the cameraman who had gone out with us said, none of this. So when the cameraman filed for all this overtime, the news director just about hit the roof. So he said, no cameraman could go out. The cameraman will go out on his own time. Then he can go out. But no one would go out. So Al, Alan Kerr went out. And that was when he got his first real assignment as a cameraman. He's rightfully proud of that. And I imagine if he does have it, then he may have given it to Heineck. But I suspect that when he left CKY, he took the film with him, which is exactly what he did. He said, they didn't pay me for it. It's my film, and he took it. I know that videotape was sent. I put together a 20-minute feature on it, and I remember we showed the film at its normal speed and then slowed it down on both sequences. I personally sent it to the guy at 20th Century uh, UFO. I got the letter back from him acknowledging that he had received it because he, sent, he, he, because he said he sent us a bunch of slides, and then I know that he got it. I've received a couple of letters from him since, stating that he had shown it to a group of people at NASA. He's got a copy of it. And that was the end of the interview. One of the more spectacular UFO films, and hopefully in the next couple of years, we will find one of the many copies that were made of the film, and we'll be able to analyze it frame by frame as CKY did. The problem with CKY was they didn't pay anybody for it, and the, the film disappeared. And when I went back to them years later, when I was writing the book Tales of Charlie Red Star, um, they didn't know where the film was, and legitimately they didn't know where the film was uh, because um, they had not paid anybody for the film, even though it became very widely known by NBC and other networks who showed the film. So that's my story for tonight, the interview on the CKY film taken in May of 1975, three and a half second film, which was absolutely fascinating in terms of what it caught on film. Uh, thanks, we'll have another story soon. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space. And thank you so much for listening.